Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, everyone, to this week's RB1 colon a fantasy football podcast brought to you by FakeTees.com. I am your humble host, Pete Rogers, joined, as always, by John Barnett and Clark Barnes. Guys, how are you? Well, I'm I'm recovered from everything that the Packers put me through this week, and uh, I think my heart is back and working, so we're good to go. That was a hell of a game. I was sitting on the couch watching my the my fiance go through the multiple stages of uh, acceptance, depression, love, joy, all the different emotions you could possibly feel. I witnessed on her face, and uh, it's uh, it was a hell of a ride. Yeah, uh, good games are for other teams. Is my my belief. I don't want the Packers to play in good games. I want them to just beat people. You just uh, just want easy victories and not have to stress at all. Right, and all three of us had none of that this weekend. No comment. <laughs> I'm glad we're getting into this right at the opening. Oh, good. Yes, Clark. Clark and I had Clark had a very rough weekend because uh, sadly his Houston Texans could not quite pull it out. But that being said, I mean, my golly, if they were not close. Yeah, I I fought all day sending something snarky into the messenger system that we use and i was like don't do it just wait just wait and then when that safety drops that interception with like 50 seconds to go i'm like that's how you lose to the patriots boys that's how you do it it's exactly how it happens um well excellent so we were this is our week three recap um and so we'll just be bouncing around all the different uh, games around the league and chatting about Kind of, I think we each have picked one player for each game that we kind of just want to address and talk about and hopefully give you guys a little insight into all the games since it is quite physically impossible to have watched uh, all however many games or 15 because there's the 16th one currently going on. That's right. Um, but before we get into the full week three recap, uh, no, we can't do a recap without uh, talking about uh, what Trump said and the NFL protests. Um, I don't want to say too much because I know a lot of people who are, are have much more say, much more to say than I do, and, and will say it much more eloquently than I. Um, but I wanted to say that once that for once in kind of what seems like a long, long time, uh, I would say I'm proud of the NFL since really mishandling the Ray Rice's domestic violence case. I've kind of struggled with calling myself an NFL fan because of the league's blatant mishandling of other domestic violent cases and CTE and witch hunts, which will go unnamed. Um, but this weekend, seeing the entire league unite together uh, to combat and disapprove. Uh, and don't worry, John, I've got the, uh, Beep button, bleep button, all ready to go. Uh, disprove the utter shit that Trump spewed, calling NFL players sons of. Uh, I felt momentarily proud of the sport that I'm a fan of, and I'm sure that feeling won't last long as I don't trust Goodell for a second. But 
it was great to see my faith in humanity and the NFL restored, even if it was just a 48 hour period. So that's just what I wanted to quickly say about, about that matter. Mine's going to be nice and short too. This is too much to go into on a short football podcast, but I would just ask everybody when you're having these discussions uh, to actually talk about the issue at hand and not get distracted by someone bringing up kind of auxiliary things that sort of are close to maybe the issue. So guys, just think about what you're talking about and actually have good conversations and don't just get distracted and mad. Obviously this is a very broad reaching subject that can't be delved into gently. And it's a very nuanced thing Um, from where I come from, from this, I obviously I represent public defender clients frequently there are great equality divides in this country. There are people who are not benefiting from America in the same way that I have, uh, in the way that I was fortunate to be born who I am with the abilities that I have and in the places where I've, I've lived too, in the you know, schools and things that I've attended. And not everybody has been able to benefit from America in the same way that I have. Uh, and so that's that's a hard thing to see. And I, I see that with the, the people who can't afford attorneys that I go and represent in courts. And it's just the way some of that is. And that's unfortunate. And that needs to be talked about. And I think that was the initial point of what was going on. And just like Clark said, a lot of that's getting lost. And I think the other part of what I bring to this is that I am a veteran and I deployed twice. Um, I was in Iraq and that flag means a lot to me. Uh, it means a lot to a lot of people. And um, obviously I believe very deeply that people should protest for things and that people should stand up for what they believe and that we need to have the dialogues that come along with that um, rather than diatribes or monologues. I think we need to have deep discussions in this country frequently. And that is part of what democracy is, is, you know, everybody's here. It's, everybody has a say and we all kind of have to learn to live with each other. Um, that's one of the reasons why I think initially when Colin Kaepernick is the one who started it, obviously, um, I thought he aimed at too broad a target to discuss what he wanted to discuss because very quickly, uh, in aiming at the flag rather than having a protest around the flag or something, uh, or drawing attention to himself some other way, um, he very quickly aimed at something that means a lot to a lot of other people other than what he personally took it to mean. Um, so I think that a lot has been lost in the conversation because of this. Uh, I'll note that the Monday night game, both teams had a uh, little uh, arm linking and the Cowboys and Jerry Jones and all of them took a knee and then got up and then the national anthem. Um, that was powerful as well. It brought uh, poignancy to the point they're trying to make that there needs to be a better movement towards equality while also saying that, by the way, that flag stands for a lot more to a lot of people who um, you kind of threw something at there without wanting to annoy them, but you could not have thought other than that it would have been offensive to some people. So it's a broad subject, and uh, I'm glad they're getting their say, even if you know I would rather people stood for the, f- the flag and did something else. I will want to make sure that nobody gets fired for doing that, and I want to make sure that they all get their say because those things matter. All right. So, yes. So now that we've said our piece, which I appreciate both of you guys uh, participating and joining in on that. I know we talked about that ahead of time. But let's get on to the week three extravaganza because outside of just that, 
it was probably the best week of football that we've seen quite yet in this young NFL season. Uh, there was close games abundant and we had excitement and joy. And it all started with a Thursday night football game, which Clark, the second time he predicted it, predicted correctly. Uh, no one else. Well, I mean, we all thought that it was not going to be the barn burner, the 41 to 39 game. I mean, who would have saw that with the uh, Los Angeles Rams and the San Francisco 49ers? Well, Pete, the trick is just to pick both teams to win. <laughs> and just start throwing out numbers, and eventually you'll get the right score. Persistence uh, is key. Obviously, for me, I think the key pe- person to talk about from this game is Todd Gurley. Uh, there's no one really else to address in my mind. He is back, and I hate myself for ever doubting him. Uh, he scored me so badly last year that I couldn't bring myself to love again. But I really should have, because my goodness, he looks on a whole nother level uh, in McVay's offense. He had two touchdowns, 114 yards on the ground, and he's looking like that early rookie Todd Gurley that made everyone fall in love with them. Uh, I am very, very stoked, and I'm thinking that this is this is the real deal. McVay's going to work wonders with that offense. If you bought Todd Gurley low, you are a champion of the people and an all-around good guy. Uh, and finally, my last thought is that Jeff Fisher is an awful, awful head coach. <laughs> I think that's been shown to be true at this point. <laughs> I think sadly that that is just, that is just the only conclusion that we can, we can draw from watching McVay just completely turn around this offense and, and make Jared Goff look like a competent quarterback and, uh, and put up 41 points in a game. I mean, twice they've done, they've scored 40 points twice in the single season. I think that's a record somewhere. Was there ever a time that somebody drafted a quarterback for Fisher that he was like, this is good. I'm really happy about this. Thank you. <laughs> Steve McNair, man. That was it. That was, that was like, it. what, 1983? Yeah, I think that's it. That's all I can think of. Not not too much Not too much that he had to work with. But still, nonetheless. But what a game. Finally, what a good Thursday night game. And very after- enjoyable. And I'm with you on the Todd Gurley. You know, it's good to see him finally getting some run. I think he's good and real pleasure to watch him on Thursday night. Yeah, after all the flack that we gave Thursday Night Football, so you knew that suddenly we were going to be uh, witnessing what is arguably one of the best. I mean, it was the most, the highest scoring Thursday Night Football game uh, of all time. So there you go. Uh, so let's now let's bounce over to you, Clark, and tell me about the battle for mediocrity in Cleveland Browns versus the Indianapolis Colts. All right, so I, di- I didn't catch this game live. I went back and watched it. Uh, just before the podcast and looked at the score and I thought, man, this is going to be a really good game. And it was not, it was, uh, it was just two bad teams. Um, the takeaway here for me for one player is that Jacoby Brissett is going to do just enough to keep T.Y. Hilton relevant so that he kills you all year. He's going to have another one of these big games. He's going to put up 140 yards and a touchdown and he's either going to be in and you're going to celebrate it and forget that you've kept him in for his other three catch and 26 yard games, or he's going to be on your bench and you're going to go, see, that's why I drafted him. You're going to put him in next week and he's going to go two for 46 again, and you're going to be disappointed. Um, I think Brissett is, is functional and for how young he is and for how little playing time he's had, I really think that the Colts have upgraded here. And I mean, if you're, trying to win games, which I know isn't really in vogue here in the NFL lately with a couple of the other games that we'll talk about. I think he's definitely a a huge upgrade on Tolzien, but it's just going to be frustrating for Hilton owners. And uh, I mean, you picked him, you got to play him, but we're, we're still crossing our fingers waiting for Andrew Luck to come back. 
Do you think that uh, Jacoby Brissett should have gotten extra points on his rushing touchdown, one of his first rushing touchdown for that spin move that he put on? I feel like there should be style points in fantasy football, positive and negative. So I'm, yeah, I'd I'd give him like two and a half for that for sure. But that's it, man. I mean, Kaiser looked better than his stat line. You know, the Browns receivers just refused to catch the ball for him. One of his interceptions was on a, a ball thrown. I forget the guy's name thrown right to the wide receiver. And he just decided he wasn't going to catch it. The corner grabbed it. I mean, it was, it was just sloppy all around. I guess, you know, the, the positive takeaway for Browns fans is, is Kaiser did look good for a rookie again. And if, if he can really develop those positive traits and kind of cut down some of the inaccurate passing and some of the you know frenzied decision-making that he has to make when he's not, you know, getting great blocking from that offensive line, you know, there's a little hope there for you Browns fans. Moving on, John, uh, you are going to tell us about Buffalo and Denver and I guess really figure out is Buffalo good? Question mark, question mark, question mark. They've got obviously at home and with that defense, they can be good. Uh, they, they did force the turnovers. Um, Trevor Simeon is a guy who looked very interesting for much of the first two games. His yardage totals were good. Uh, he was throwing touchdowns and non-interceptions. His yards were still okay in this game. Uh, he had 259 yards passing. Done a no picks. You did felt pretty good about starting him, but he threw the two picks, no touchdowns, and that that kind of killed his value. Um, the other thing, though, that the play, Simeon's not the guy we can take from this. Uh, Jamal Charles led the team in rushes, nine rushes, but led the team in rushes. So having a little bit more value in here, um, he wasn't used in the passing game. Particularly, he had one target, I believe, for one catch. But um, that the fact that he's getting involved in that a little bit more, maybe they're getting a little more confidence in you know how he's running out there and how he's looking. So that was an interesting takeaway I had there. Uh, also, for a backup running back for Buffalo, we talked early about Tolbert, and you know, can he continue to have any sort of relevance? Uh, he had eleven carries um, in what was a pretty pretty back and forth game too right and um so mccoy had 14 carries also seven catches so he led the team in, he led the team in catches but tolbert had 11, 11 carries and i thought that that was an interesting thing to have in terms of you know if you're in a deeper league i'm in a 16 team league i'm also in an 18 team league and those guys have value there but um yeah that's really the only place he has value but it's interesting to see that he is getting that many carries in a game that was as close as it was so I think that that's something interesting to take away. That is obviously taking carries away from McCoy too, and hopefully keep him healthy all year long to finish out this season. But um, they're going to be decent at home. They've got a good defense, and if they can control the ball some, and Tyrod Taylor makes enough little plays here and there to keep uh, drives alive, that they can kind of keep themselves in things. I don't know about saying that they're, you know, I, I'll say they're good. I don't know how far they can go with it though. Um, because you're still trying to see if they're actually a playoff push team or if they're just going to be one right at right in that that middle zone there. Did Jamal Charles how 
good did he look? Like, is he worth if you were if you were someone who you know wants to dip their toe into the waiver wire and and see who's out there? And Jamal Charles, I think, is probably pretty safely out there in most leagues. Is he worth a pickup? Did he look good enough that you know this is the Jamal Charles of old, and we're getting flashes of it? And is Clark going to fall back in love with him? Flashes of it. I don't know. He's going to get the carries to get there. Um, he had was his carries so far. He had ten, nine, and nine. His yards have gone up each week, though, too, though. Uh, so he had 40, 46, 56 this week. Mm. Uh, one target each game. If his, So his usage has been pretty steady. I think it's just that the other guys were not getting as involved this week as, as normal. Um, I, I would see him only as a flex. It, obviously, if he could get a touchdown, he's more valuable. But, I mean, you're, you're guessing when it's going to happen. Clark, are you in love again? I I don't know. That's that's my question. I haven't had a chance to watch this game yet. Do you think that Jamal Charles just happened to get a couple of good carries and end up with the most yards? Or CJ Anderson look like he's wasn't looking so hot this game? Like why did this happen? I think it's just he he gives a different thing than what they're they're used to seeing out of I think um CJ Anderson has a little more power to the way that he runs, obviously, but he's he doesn't have the quite the maneuverability it's not he's terrible at it but jamal charles if he's you know able to get out there in a little bit of space or just make one cut he can do a little a couple more things this is not a bad defense it's not that he was you know just taking advantage of somebody's poor play um he he's got talent he can get out there and it looks like he's played fairly consistently and getting uh, a few more yards every time that he's been out there again though i mean like he's he's not an rb1 he's not an rb2 he's Maybe a flex play. He's just interesting, is all. There you go. In terms of this game, you knew what you got from the other guys is kind of what they were. Uh, Charles was the the interesting point for this game for me, at least. All right. Let's move on to jolly old England, where the Baltimore Ravens took on the Jacksonville Jaguars. And you can make sure to at me on Twitter about how amazing my British accent is. Um we could, of course, talk about Blake Bortles throwing for four touchdowns and three of those going to Mercedes Lewis. Uh, but instead, I'm going to use this as my platform to get you to go and sign Marquise Lee off of waivers. Uh, through three weeks, he's our, he has 23 targets, which is the number one on the Jaguars by far, uh, by a huge margin. Next person is Alan Hearns with 14. Uh, so nearly not close to double, but nearly close to not double. The Jaguars want to get the ball. They'll the practically double. They'll practically double. Uh, Jaguars want obviously want to get the ball to Lee, and he's made he's uh, made use of that both against the Ravens and Week Two against the Titans. He's only owned in forty seven percent of Yahoo leagues. So go and get him. Also, my final thought is: Do you think the Jaguars should just permanently move to London? I'm pretty sure they're undefeated in London, which is ridiculous. I feel like England's had to suffer a lot of slings and arrows in our hands. <laughs> and that's just like just, after 1912, that was the last one they kind of got on us. Let's not be vindictive. Let's, let's just send them to Jaguars. Doesn't their owner own in one of the Premier League teams, something too? I think so. I think Shotgun does. But yeah, I feel like I feel like Florida deserves the Jaguars. Sorry, Florida people. It's not. Oh, here, that's but. rough. <laughs> that, wow. is, that is rough. Rough, rough noise. That's, uh, at NFL Clark, everyone. Is all of Florida. You can you can go and just fill Clark's mentions. 
Uh, but good. I'm glad we're all on the same page with Marquise Lee. Man, I haven't watched that game either, but what happened? I, just, I don't want to watch it because I want to hold on to some truths that I understand about the NFL. So I, don't, I might just skip this game and act like it didn't happen. I think that's where probably what most of the NFL is currently doing right now. I can tell you that's certainly what the Ravens are doing. Yeah, you, you got you to just bury that tape and move on, I think, if you're the Ravens. So it's like the whole week was just uh, just somebody trying to tell me that I don't know anything about football. Um, you go look at any place where I made picks and just like, nope, no, no, no. I, in my, in my, and this is the last thing that we'll move on to Clark. I, in my uh, DFS, my fan duel picks for the week, I wrote how you should bench Leonard Fournette because in my words, the Ravens aren't worried about Blake Bortles throwing for 500 yards and 10 touchdowns. Well, guess what? He threw for four touchdowns. So off by six, but still not great. Clark, break down the curious case of case. Keenum and how he was able to dismantle a Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense that we all kind of thought was going to be maybe all right. All right. For this one, uh, I think Keenum really showed his true colors in the most positive light here. He's case. Keenum is a fantastic backup quarterback. He's the kind of guy that can come in. If you got to play three games, he can get you two of them. The Vikings look good in all phases. Their defense was flying around, hitting people. The running game was working in case Keenum was chucking it deep to either open or covered receivers that he had faith in. And a lot of those plays paid off. He has shown in the past with other teams that he's played with that he has no fear and he is going to throw the ball. And so this is the absolute outlier or two and a half uh, standard deviations from the norm to the good of what case Keenum can be. This is, this is probably the best game that he's going to have. I wouldn't rush out and get him, but I wouldn't. I think this is the game that kind of confirms to people that, you know, just because Sam Bradford is going to miss doesn't mean that I have to sit all of my Vikings. He's probably going to have a stinker if he's got to play three or four more, but he's at least serviceable. And the Vikings are looking tough, uh, just like they did, what was it, two years ago when they were a 20 yard field goal away from knocking the Seahawks out of the playoffs. There was a very common theme this week for me, and that was benching all of the good players who suddenly had breakout games. And Stefan Diggs was one of them. So who did Pete bench this week? Stefan Diggs, you are on my list. It was upsetting to say the least. You'll feel a little better as we move on to some of our other games, Pete. I've got a reveal for us. Oh boy. I can't wait. That is called a teaser. Everyone moving on. Let's go to you, John. And, Breakdown battle of the NFC South domination. Yeah, and you know, at least Drew Brees showed up for this game. Um, Cam Newton <laughs> shots fired. Yeah, he wasn't. He was terrible. He had um, was it 167 yards and three picks. Hey. Um, this is another one where I picked Carolina uh, because my picks were you know something you should never bet money on. Apparently, although through the first two weeks I was doing very well, but this week just nothing was right. Um, yeah, Cam Newton. Uh, I don't know what you do with that game. Like I said, this is one of those ones you you want to throw away the tape. Uh, He's not making things happen against what is a bad defense. And I'll grant you, it's a a divisional game. And, you know, nobody knows you better than your division. But I don't know what's what's going on with him. There's just just not points there right now. And at this point, I wouldn't start him until I see something from him. 
and I'd be out there looking to see exactly what else is hanging out there, even if it's I don't know, Trevor Simeon or somebody like that. Who I mean, Simeon still put up yards, even though he didn't have the touchdowns. Um, Cam didn't even put up yards. He's, I mean, he has not been particularly valuable, and this week was especially bad. Um, McCaffrey was interesting. He had 100 yards receiving, but only four carries. Um, so the receiving yards definitely were what saved your game there. On the New Orleans side, the thing I took, well, there's two big names there. Michael Thomas is back. As I told you, it was in the disguise last week. Oh, thank God. Yeah, and he's back. He's saving us all. But the name that I pulled from this is uh, Mark Ingram is very clearly the lead running back in that team. Uh, technically, Kamara has more points than him now because even though Ingram is leading in rushing yards and leading in carries and is getting four or five targets a game, He's been around 70 or 80 yards a game pretty consistently with a couple catches. And that's rushing and passing his total yards from scrimmage. <clears throat> but he just hasn't found the end zone yet. Uh, Kamara got that one. Um, it was a nice run around the end where he, he managed to kind of work his way down the sideline and get, get the ball across and avoid going out of bounds at a, like the four or so there. But uh, I think Ingram is, is still very clearly the the only consistent running back scorer you're going to get from that team. It's not going to be high numbers right now. He's he's finishing somewhere around 22nd in Yahoo, I think, uh, in running backs. So he's a flex consideration. Uh, but I would probably start several receivers over him. He's a guy who's going to be there getting you seven points, eight points in a game most of the time uh, in fairly standard scoring. So I, I just think that that's the only thing is – you. Know, Again, Peterson's kind of done. He had nine carries for 33 yards. And Kamara is going to be hit or miss. And Melvin, I'm uh, sorry, Mark Ingram is going to be the, the lead rusher on this team and considerably ahead of, of the others at this point. You're thinking about our next matchup, Chiefs Chargers. I got some Melvin Ingram talk, but Mark <laughs> Ingram first. Moving on to the game of the week. And if you were a uh, New Englander like myself and a Houstonier like Clark, because that's what they're called. <laughs> the the Texans and the Patriots game going down to the wire. Tom Brady pulling the win out of his rear end. But that is not who I'm going to talk about because we all know uh, what Brady can do. I'm going to talk about Deshaun Watson because I'm telling you, man, that dude is for real. My Lord. He looked like a young Mike Vick out there. He was making Patriots defenders miss. He was extending plays. He had a ridiculous play where he was drifting out to the far left side of the field and then ripped the pass across the entire field to Ryan Griffin, I believe, the tight end for a first down. Um, and he was just one really dumb no timeout away from possibly beating the Patriots. I mean, they had the lead until Brady, you know, was Brady, but that's fine. We are, and I have this in my notes right here at the exact line. God, we Patriots fans are spoiled. And it's true. We are. Um, but Clark, I'm sure you can back me up on this. Watson looks legit and he's only going to get better as he gets more comfortable with Bill O'Brien's system. He, he does look good. And he, he looks like what young mobile quarterbacks look like. And this was one of the good games. I'm kind of make the same parallel with Case Keenum. Uh, you hope that Watson will put it together and become the first rounder that everybody hopes that he will be and that he doesn't turn into Tyrod Taylor, which is fine, but which is not really one of the top five or 10 guys in the NFL. Uh, I think you're absolutely right. The only reason 
the Texans had a chance in this game was Watson. I, you know, was was a total homer in the only IDP league where I have no idea what I'm doing, and I picked Jadavian Clowney, who put up like 25 points for me. Lucky uh, dog. I know it was as a uh, not expecting much Texans fan. I feel like it was a real moral victory for a league. Yeah, where there's no moral victories. So yeah, I felt pretty good about it. I knew when. I forget the safety's name, but with 50 seconds left, when he dropped that pick, I just I said it to everyone I was with. I was like, "Hey, this is how you lose games against the Patriots," and, and that's what happened, man. But good effort by the Texans. The Pats are really good. As long as uh, my Texans did have to lose, I was glad that Brady got all five touchdowns, so that helped on the team. So good game, fun game to watch. It was a fun game to watch. It was the first time in a while where, and again, spoiled Pats fan talking here. First game in a while, probably since the Super Bowl, where I was like anxious, where I was nervous, where suddenly I was like, whoa, holy cow, the Texans are up and it is a minute left in the game and we need to drive 80 yards down the field for a touchdown to win. Um, I mean, if you want to pull the, you know, they are who we thought they were, quote, like this would be a great time to flip just, that in there just throw we, it they in are right who they who we thought they were and we thought about the hook and we learned about the hook um take us clark take us down to uh wonderful tennessee and where exotic smash mouth reign supreme and uh the seattle seahawks look to be on the struggle bus yeah so i made the brilliant maneuver this weekend of at 11 30 before the game starts that's central time boys i decided you know what russell wilson's been killing me and jay cutler's looked okay i'm making the swap i'm picking up cutler i'm just gonna bench russell wilson i'm gonna put it put in cutler uh the fantasy got smiled on me i ended up winning anyway but but what a move <laughs> well so smart you should definitely <laughs> read my articles and it's that, oh, that definitely beats out my Trevor Simeon for Mariota start. I thought that that was going to be the worst quarterback start, but I'm glad that Jay Cutler for Russell Wilson is there to, to beat me out. Yeah. So, so don't feel bad folks out there making bad roster decisions. Uh, it, everyone does it this, uh, but, 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 but to the game uh, it was really sloppy. Uh, this, it ended up being a very high scoring game, but it was, <laughs> something like nine to seven after the first half. And that looked a little generous compared to what you were seeing on the field. Eventually the Titans just wore the Seahawks down. They had a couple of really big plays that ended up paying off. I think Murray had like a 75 yard run where I think everyone just thought he was going to go down a couple of times and he decided that he wasn't. And he just kept going until he got into the end zone. Richard Matthews had a very similar play on a long catch and run, uh, Folks thought they had him. He put on the brakes. Three people stopped, and he just ran around them for a touchdown, too. Super sloppy from both teams. You don't know if it's because the defenses were so good or just because the offenses were so bad. I think that the Titans' offense is good and the Seahawks' defense is good, and that's why they clashed. And I think the Seahawks' offense is still really struggling with a couple of nice pieces to go around Russell Wilson, who's just running for his life and trying to make plays. That's not enough. Uh, the Seahawks have done this to us for the past couple of years. I think eventually that's going to catch up to you. I am really nervous about all of my Seahawks starters. I think the Titans are fine. 
they found a way to run the ball against the team that stopped them in the first half, but it was uh, a game that they were in control of and they kept running. So I, I think you're fine with all your Titans, even if they didn't give you a good game this week and still just really, you know, finger hovering over the panic button with Seattle's offense. Yeah, they're really close to having a similar situation that's going on in Indy right now where the Colts just didn't build an offensive line around Luck because they're like, nah, we got Luck. He's great. He'll do it all for us. And now Luck is the last two in the last two seasons have been shortened and and this season has yet to even start for him because of injury, because he doesn't have an offensive line. And it's only a matter of time before Russell Wilson starts sustaining some sort of chronic injuries that really just kind of completely shut this team down. The the only difference with the Seahawks is that their defense is good, but a very good analogy to both of those offenses. Yeah, it's it's been hard watching this Seahawks offense. I mean, they've not they've kind of imagined they would keep getting all these late round gems. And if you've been paying attention to the last four or five drafts, they've not. <laughs> yep and it just they have not been able to rebuild that and they don't have any offensive line it's just they've decided that they were going to pay every defensive player they had except for whoever is the cornerback opposite of richard sherman and they're going to pay their defensive line they're going to pay their linebackers and they're just going to keep that their defense was good enough to do everything on its own and they're not scoring any points because of it moving to a game whose defense got bailed out because of some iffy refereeing, if you want my opinion. Uh, the Falcons and Detroit. John, take us to that game. You mean some technically correct referee, some, which to quote Futurama, is technically correct, which is the best type of correct. <laughs> uh, excellent, excellent quote. <laughs> no, uh, Golden Tate still had uh, seven receptions for 58 yards and another touchdown and almost two. He was almost amazing. It was only just you know really good for your team. I um, feel like that's Golden Tate's tagline for fantasy his, football. His almost MO. amazing. <laughs> and as Packer fans, seeing Golden Tate's non-touchdowns eventually be called non-touchdowns would have been great several years ago. Uh, Fair point. Caught the fail Mary. <laughs> Didn't catch the fail Mary because it was an interception. But um, Abdullah had 86 yards, so I think that's... Um, good uh, in that regard still not getting into the end zone but he got you yards he got you touches there the the one name though that i was going to pull out here is galladay um some people were pretty high on him after one game and he has been nothing since then uh he hasn't gotten you i don't think he's gotten you three total points if you'd get uh, multiple scorings you know the um decimal point scoring since that game so he had seven targets and Week one, three last week, and five this week. He's been just nothing since that first game. And I think it's kind of like what we were talking about. Like He's a guy who's going to get lost in the system every now and then, and he'll have a game when somebody decides that they need to rotate all their coverage over and stopping Golden Tate and then Marvin Jones. But, you know, good luck guessing when that game's going to be because, you know, he's just going to be somewhere down that, that list. He's going to be catching balls some point after, you know, Tate, and Jones, and sometimes Ebron when he decides he's healthy enough to play, or uh, Theo Riddick, or Abdullah, and you're like, yeah, you're you're in that mix, but you're not at the top of that mix. So um, if you rushed out to grab him in week one and have started him for the last two weeks, um, you're probably one and two. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's been hard on that one. 
Um, the one thing that I did find interesting, I mean, you know everything about, you know, you got Matt Ryan, uh, Devontae Freeman, uh, Julio Jones. Great. We know who, who they are and what they're, they're going to do for you. Uh, finally, a Taylor Gabriel sighting. Uh, <laughs> he decided to play this week. Uh, he had seven targets in weeks one and two, seven total. Had six targets this last week. Turned it into five catches, 79 yards and a touchdown. That's the sort of thing you were hoping he was going to do more frequently. Uh, but he's he's also kind of like a Galladay thing here. So he's got that same sort of thing in that he's a young guy involved in an offense with a lot of established pass catchers. He's exciting and interesting, and he's going to have days every now and then. Uh, he he had a great year last year, very quietly one of the best catchers in, a, in that uh, Atlanta system. I think he was second on the team in yards behind Julio. I think he beat out Sanu last year, if I remember correctly. Um, but he hasn't been as involved in the offense as, as it seemed like he might be. Part of that might be the change in the offensive coordinator. Uh, I think they were building towards him being far more involved, and now they're rediscovering how they're going to use him and getting him involved here. He's only had one carry so far. And part of what he did was be that uh, Tyreek Hill type mm-hmm. where he was going to run the ball out of the backfield. He was going to do the end rounds, the jet sweeps, the all that stuff. Uh, he's only done one of those so far. So he could be used better. Uh, he's definitely very fast, very athletic, and very interesting to see. But he had a game for you this week if you were somehow stuck with him, um, which if you did, I don't Good know how you caught that one. Yeah, I don't know how you caught that one. If you saw that one coming, then, you know, you tip of the cap. You should you should be doing this podcast instead of us. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, that was I just I just knew it for I just knew that game for the drama at the end. But I'm glad to hear that Taylor Gabriel has decided to appear and steal the touchdown away from my Julio Jones who needed it because perfect transition into the Steelers versus the Bears. I needed all the points I could get because adding to the list of people who Pete benched this week, uh, I benched Jordan Howard thinking that he was not going to be that useful against a young, athletic, tough, might I say, Steelers defense. Uh, And my goodness, I was very, very, very wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. Get the wrong gong out and bang it. Howard tore up the Steelers for 138 yards, two touchdowns, including the game winner in overtime. And it's just preposterous that he was on my bench, but he is back. Uh, Cohen is still a very viable fantasy option for all you people who picked him up. Don't freak out and start thinking that the bears are now going to be a one running back system. And you just drop him stupidly. Uh, Don't do that because the bears just don't have anything close to resembling a wide receiver on the roster. Cause both Howard and Cohen led the team in receptions. Howard is back. I'm never benching him again. That is a promise, a promise that I will make to everyone here who is listening. All of our moms. Hi moms. (laughs) That may be a terrible promise. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, he definitely showed up. I thought I benched him, but I actually, what I did was move him to flex in two leagues. Oh, you son of a gun. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. And I was sitting there going, oh my gosh, what have I done? And I was like, oh, no, never mind. I'm fine. (laughs) Okay. Everything's worked out for me. Yeah. No comment here. I think you nailed it, fellas. Beautiful. Clark, you do have something to comment about because here is Jay Cutler's game that he couldn't win for you. The Dolphins and the Jets. The Jets finally get a win! Uh, Yeah, Josh McCown might have played himself out of a starting role this (laughs) week by accidentally winning for the Jets. This was... So, if if I hadn't 
you know, we chat about the show before the show. I know it doesn't seem like it, but and we kind of throw out the games that we want to cover. And I felt like if Pete had picked all the games that he made me watch that I would be in trouble because the Jets versus Dolphins was another one of those games that I'm actually cheating. I'm watching the fourth quarter right now. And I don't know why I am like this game is awful, but I don't know what happened to Miami. I was excited about them. Not that they were going to be great, but I thought they're going to win nine games or, you know, go eight and eight. They have some pieces that I like. Devontae Parker's good. Jay Ajayi is good. You know, this game is just, I feel bad for folks in Miami and, in New York and New Jersey that this was their local game that they had to watch. There's just nothing to take away here. I hope that the takeaway is the Dolphins just had a bad game guys and everything's fine. Uh, No one looks good on the jets. They're, they're using three running backs. You know, Robbie Anderson got three catches for 95 yards. I've been watching the game and I missed it. So I I mean, it's just, it's just, I don't know. Yeah. I, not a whole lot to take away here unless this becomes a trend for the Dolphins. Let's just hope it was a bad game for them because this is this game has just been really, you know, not very fun to watch. Perfect. Well, let's just move that right on to a great game to watch. Aaron Rodgers, I have him down, I have him written here as he should be called Aladdin Aladdin because he had two monkeys on his back. But unlike Aladdin, he got rid of them both with a victory over the Bengals and a victory in overtime. John, I'm sure this was very exciting to witness. No, it was was horrible for me. Um, (laughs) Just just on on the edge. And I had to be driving for a period in the second half, which is not good. It's not a good idea that I should ever be on the road during a Packer game, but I I needed to get someplace. Um, The thing that that is most frustrating is you are ready to quit uh, at halftime with every Packer game that you are starting Aaron Rodgers because he has gotten you no yards and has thrown a pick. If you're looking at his numbers at halftime, you're ready to bench him because I don't think he's he hasn't thrown more than like 100 yards in any of these first halves. He's completing just over 50%, I think, total now uh, because this was his best one at 9 of 14 in the first half, and he had 73 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. I mean, he has had a pick in each of these three games and then comes back in the second half and has finished all of these games, all three games with 300 plus yards. When you finish the game, the fantasy numbers are great. (laughs) If he could play two halves like he plays a second half, you're going to have a 40 point, 80 point. You know, it's like it's going to be a ridiculous number. But yeah, it's uh, heart stopping when you've got him on your on your team and you've started him and you look at halftime and you're like, I've got 10 points. I really needed more than that for my quarterback. I needed more points. I mean, 73 yards at halftime. That's, that's hard, hard when you're sitting there at halftime, but he's still obviously just, he, he finds a way to do things in the second half, open things up. Uh, the, the player I'm taking away from this is Geronimo Allison. Only so long as of course, somebody else is hurt and having Allison be able to step in there and be a solid other player there because as we, we were hoping, and I know Clark more than anybody was hoping that Jordy was starting and he did. He uh, got you too, baby. That, <laughs> that last throw and catch that Rogers did to Jordy was unbelievable. That was a pinpoint accurate throw. Love the one where he's Roger starts running towards the end zone and it's just the corners. You're like, do I hit him? Oh yeah. He's like, I got to do one of these. And, he just throws over him. Um, 
But Geronimo Allison was able to step in, had 150 yards, uh, led the team in receiving yards because obviously he had 73 of those on one play in overtime. Still, you know, a decent game before that. But yeah, he he was able to step in and actually be a guy who got you points uh, in a case where Reddle Cobb was out. He's not going to get you the number of targets Reddle Cobb was going to get you, uh, most likely. But he did very well in that role. And if you're in a if you're in a dynasty league, you know that uh, contracts are coming up for Cobb and Jordy in the next several years. Uh, with the declining play of Cobb in the last couple of years, Jerome Allison's going to be stepping in, possibly pushing for that three or that two spot in this offense in the next couple of years. Somebody who's interesting to look at at this point. As long as somebody's injured on the Packers, he's going to be interesting um, streaming option that you could pick up here and there as you need to. For Cincinnati, I think the player of this game and the, the player to take away from this is uh, A.J. Green. He's obviously yeah. always very good in this, but had, got you a touchdown, had 13 targets. Uh, and He had 10 catches. The next closest Bengal had three. Uh, it was It was just a game for him. They said, Look, this is what we've got to do. We need to score touchdowns. We need to get involved here. And we, you know, he got you down the field. Um, Mixon finally decided to show up and do the sorts of things we were hoping he would do. Uh, I was hoping he would do them next week, not this week. But he- yeah, you're, you're all welcome. The reason Mixon had his breakout game is because I dropped him. So there it you're is. All, you're welcome, Joe Mixon owners. It had you're nothing welcome. to do with uh, Mike Daniels, Jake Ryan. Uh, Half of the pair no, defense being injured. His ability, his coaching staff. No, none of that had anything. <laughs> to do. It was me. Clark, I'm just going to send you my lineup next week, this week, so you can drop all of them from your team so I can have a, just a fantastic game. Okay, well, I, I do make fantasy moves uh, for the right price. So Perfect. Do Don't drop anybody if they're about to play the Packers. I'm with you. I mean, I know the numbers were a little inflated for Geronimo Allison, and I, I hope that McCarthy learned uh, Geronimo Allison is not a Randall Cobb replacement. But he's got some skills. He he looks really good. And if they, I think, let him take over a little bit more of the outside receiver role, which I, you know, I don't see that happening with, you know, Devontae Adams and Jordy Nelson. I feel like that they've found another good tall wide receiver that they're going to be able to play for a long time. Speaking of players who you've dropped or gigantic fantasy performances that you have caused by uh, making a shrewd fantasy move, we now move on to the New York Giants and the Philadelphia Eagles. And as I am a man of the people, I will admit when I am wrong, and I was wrong about Eli. Last week on the pod, I said that he wouldn't score over 15 points, and Clark took me up on that. Clark, I owe you a Red Lobster dinner. I wasn't going to bring it up, Pete. Just I, I'm a man of the people. I admit my mistakes. He Clearly, he listens to the podcast and took major offense to what I had to say and had himself a game. Uh, he had two interceptions, but because even when Eli throws his best, he throws multiple interceptions. Uh, but his three touchdowns were all legit. He was getting the ball quickly out of his hands and was giving his receivers a chance to make plays. Clearly, I just need to call Eli out every week uh, and then he'll ball. So Giants fans, you're welcome. I'll do it again too. Eli, you still stink there. Now he's going to have a great week. Um, but yeah, so I guess it was too early to say you're done. 
uh, because now he's finally back on the same page with Odell. Odell had two touchdowns, looked like old Odell that we've all known and loved. He had a redonkulous catch in the end zone, uh, then urinated like a dog. But that's just, I guess, Odell. But yeah, the Giants offense looks like it's mildly back on track, just kind of changing the offense, making it quick, quick throws, getting the balls out. Sterling Shepard became suddenly involved, uh, had a, over 100 yards and a touchdown. Um, so I have no idea if this is going to be consistent. You can hardly trust Eli to be consistent. They still have no semblance of a running game. Uh, but nonetheless, Eli Manning, this is my official apology. Uh, I failed with my done. There it is. Pete, I'm going to give you a little reprieve. I at least, I always seem to remember things that make me sound better than I actually sounded, so nobody go back and check this. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure what I said is Eli's going to have a game like this, but then he's going to kill you again. That's fair. So, I mean, so you're right, but he, he's going to do this again too, and we shouldn't have the same conversation then because that's just what he does. He has a couple of good games. He has a couple of bad games, and – when Odell Beckham goes off and gets two touchdowns, then this is what it's going to look like. And when Odell has a nagging hamstring injury or something, well, we're going to get the Eli we saw for the first two weeks. Yeah. He's a yep. better fantasy quarterback than real quarterback. He's That's throwing, fair. He's just throwing prayers. Uh, and did you see the comments apparently today? What Odell said was the reason for his dog urination celebration. No, I didn't see that. What was it? Uh, it was the president of the United States referring to some players as being perhaps the offspring of a female dog. Got it. Swing and a miss. Nobody. Yeah, still, yeah. He has no thought process. I'm guessing. <laughs> no planning. He's just like, this is what's going to happen now. I, yeah, I was about to say, uh, some NFL players are extremely thoughtful, brilliant men who I know they throw ball good and run ball good, but really deserve respect because they think and that you you can hear them speak in interviews that they're really thoughtful. Uh, but some guys just run real fast and catch ball good. And you just just, just decide which one is which. <laughs> Moving to a man who does run ball very good. Clark, can anyone stop Kareem Hunt, who again had himself a monster game against the Los Angeles Chargers, who are just the sad sack of the NFL this season. Yeah, Hunt had himself a day. Uh, it, it was He was going to have a good day, and then the Chargers had to get a stop. Um, I can't remember if it was first down or second down, but they had to get a stop late in the game, and Hunt just broke through the line and ran for like 50 or 60 yards. So his numbers were inflated, but all game he was running real hard i heard the broadcasters say that the chargers had missed more tackles than any other team in the league so far this year and that was really on display with hunt he just refused to go down on first contact um he was catching the ball well out of the backfield he was running with purpose and you saw out of andy reed what we've seen out of andy reed for like the past decade he's got a lot of really fast guys on his team a serviceable quarterback and he, I know I've made this reference a couple times and I'm going to keep doing it. Uh, Andy Reid does what Chip Kelly and coaches like that try to do in the NFL and they always fail is they try to get their guys into space. They try to get the their fast guys that no one can cover the ball quickly. And they had a lot of success with that early in the game. This was a, a tale of two halves. You thought that the Chiefs were just going to 
absolutely run away with this. Phillip Rivers thought the Chargers were wearing red today and just kept throwing the ball to him early. Someone finally told him, wearing white today, Phil. Uh, Stop throwing it to the Chiefs. And played a little better in the second half. But the Chiefs looked like the Chiefs has looked for the past couple of years. They look like if they get up on you, they've got a good pass rush. They've got a good secondary. Um, and they've, they've got a running back and a few quick, I mean, I even hesitate to say gadget players because there's such a negative stigma with those guys, but they've got a few weapons on offense that if you're guessing of, you know, what's going to happen on the next play, it's already too late and you've already lost. And that's just what this game looked like. The chiefs were better than the chargers. They went in there and they just kind of dominated the game. There you go. I think dad. Yeah. Finally. To wrap this podcast up, we touch on Sunday night football. And John, what in the world happened to the Oakland Raiders? Yeah, uh, this is another one where I've I picked entirely wrong on this game. Um, <laughs> this is where my my bonehead play of this week was. Kirk Cousins has been terrible, uh, at least in terms of starting. Uh, on fantasy, he has not looked good. He has gotten you almost, just no points, it seems. So I benched him this week, of course. And yeah, so he's got uh, 34 in my one Yahoo league and a couple had another league where I think I left him in in one league. But the league that I want to win more than anything is the one league where I have a losing record right now. It's the only league. It always happens like that. It's crushing. Uh, Yes. So, yeah, he he had a much better 365 yards passing. Um, Oakland's defense has never been. Somebody said during the broadcast that Oakland's got a legit defense. They're good. No, I'm sorry. It was actually Kirk Cousins after the game. <laughs> Kirk Cousins in his interview after the game said, this is a good defense. You know, they got great players. They got Khalil Mack. He couldn't name another one, I guess. That's all he could say. <laughs> like, this, is, this is not a good defense. This defense gives up points to everybody, it seems. Um, and Khalil Mack is amazing. It, it, nobody else on that defense is. But yeah, no, Kirk Cousins had a great game, but a great day, but the thing you take away from this is Chris Thompson's legit. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's had double-digit points for you in all three games. He's had 20-plus points, it seems, it, I think, in the Yahoo standard scoring in the last two games. Um, so, yeah, he's he's a guy who's been trusted. He's definitely the pass-catching back. Uh, P. Ryan got more carries, but the total number of yards went very heavily to Chris Thompson. Uh, if you are in a PPR league, especially, he's a guy that you need to have. I think he's he's going to move way up my running back list this week. Um, he's been very consistent through three games, and that's that is at the point. It's a trend. It's no longer a blip. He's trending in that way, and he is a legit running back. P. Ryan had a lot of carries. He had 19 carries, I think. But he was kind of you know he's he's meh. You know he just he didn't get you anything spectacular. He fell forward a little bit and didn't do much. Um, it's nice to see Cousins back, and I hope he's actually back now, uh, and hopefully they figured out some of the things in their passing game. I just used that time to check and see whether or not Thompson was available in the league that I want to win. Sadly, he's not. But No, I wouldn't think about this point. If you can find him yet on your get him, he's been great. Um, yeah, David Card, this is the blip, okay? Um, 118 passing yards. Uh, this is the blip. It just he had a terrible day. He's got a great offensive line. They didn't play particularly well today. 
or yesterday or whatever. And Sunday night, he, they did not play particularly well. Washington was able to get a pass rush. They were able to get after him. It got him off his rhythm. He wasn't able to get the ball out to anybody particularly well. Um, touchdown to Jared Cook. Uh, Marshawn Lynch. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Marshawn Lynch, 18 yards. Ugh. Also not going to last. So uh, <laughs> the funny part, uh, Carr, five yards rushing. He was second on the team. <laughs> That is tied for Christmas. Tied for second. Two rushes, five yards, tied for second on the team in rushing yards. No, just nothing worked. This is not that particularly great uh, Washington defense. They've got some players in place. They were able to get ahead, which kind of forced Oakland to have to be more one dimensional. This is kind of the thing with a lot of different teams in the NFL. Um, a lot of teams are built to play with leads. Uh, Seattle uh, started that trend. They're a team that's built to get a little bit of a lead and have a pass rush. They're, all the guys in their defensive line are pass rushers. And that's kind of what a lot of teams have started moving themselves towards to say, like, we're just going to get a pass rush and some guys who can cover. And then we're going to get ahead with our offense. And then it will work out well, except for then when you're not ahead, you got a bunch of pass rushers and the other team's going to run on you. Washington decided to run the ball a lot more and it's opened up their ability to pass. It's obviously a, not a good team at stopping either of those two things, but Washington has definitely leaned more on the run this year. And that's been useful for them, at least in terms of their total offense. And hopefully it now can help balance the team and they can move forward that direction. So yeah, uh, Chris Thompson, the guy you really want P Ryan, maybe as a, uh, as long as Fat Rob is out, if he's not in, P. Ryan's kind of a flex, maybe. But he wasn't that interesting this week. Cousins, hopefully back. But, I mean, I'll, I guess I'll probably start him now. I mean, he's got weapons out there. He's got people around him who can play. And if they can just let him get rid of the ball, he'll be fine. Uh, David or Derek Carr again. Marshawn Lynch, they're going to be fine. They just they were not good this week. They'll be better next week. Boom. The story of week three, anyone who disappointed you in week three, they'll be fine next week. And anyone who surprised you in week three, fingers crossed, they're going to do the exact same thing in week four so we can all retroactively fix our fantasy lineups. Isn't that always how it works? Yeah. Um, the one other guy I think we haven't mentioned at this point, though, is uh, you need to go get Wendell Smallwood if you haven't already done so. As uh, Darren Sproles is reported today as being out with an ACL tear. Yeah, so he broke it, broke his arm and tore his ACL in the same play. It's tough. So hopefully he's out there for somebody. I've grabbed him a couple already. So yeah, yeah, he should be available. I just wrote, I wrote an article on him uh, today. Fateteams.com. You should go check it out. Shameless plug. Uh, but I believe he's like available in like four percent. All right, he's owned in four percent of Yahoo League. So he's definitely out there. You should go and get them. Any other final touches on week three before we move on? Not for me. I'm good. Excellent. We made it around the NFL with a light and witty banter. Um, and now we'll have, we'll be back here Thursday to kind of talk a little bit about maybe some week four stuff. We'll do some fun stuff. You, we do what we do. You know what we do by now.
until then, I am your humble host, Pete Rogers. You can make sure to follow me on Twitter at PM Rogers. Follow John at JBarn54. Follow Clark at NFL Clark. Uh, make sure to subscribe and review us on iTunes. Uh, the more reviews and more stars we have, the more we appear on iTunes and the more other people we get to join in and listen to us and join the festivities and fun. Uh, but until then, just always remember in the back of your mind that we do care about your fantasy team. <laughs>